this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Sure is, ain't it? Did you enjoy the little uh, cadence I did there at the beginning? That's the intro, is you did a little sing-songy voice? I said, hello, this is Rachel McElroy. Oh, like a, like a, you know, a robot or a I broken like, Teddy Ruxpin or something. I like to keep it spicy. You did, you mm-hmm. did. Uh, I burned my ears on how, how good and hot the introduction <laughs> was. So, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling this. <laughs> this episode? Do you ever have recordings where you're like, I'm fucking feeling it. Like, and I'm, usually I wait for it to get going before I declare it a victory. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying like it's already good. Um, uh-huh. Although your introduction was so choice. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm just feel like I feel it coming in the air tonight. A good episode. You know how I do. I crack under pressure every time. No, you're going to nail it. You're going to nail this shit to the floor. Okay. You're going to keep it. Actually, I feel really good about my small wonder. Can I tell you what it is? Please tell me now. Do you remember what I told you? It was I decided earlier this week what it was going to be, and I declared. Oh yeah, you're like I have to write this down because and I always I, forget. I put it in my phone because I didn't <sighs> want to. It's forget. a good thing you did because I have forgotten what it was. Okay. So you know when you get like a pair of jeans out of the wash. Oh yes. And sometimes your pockets are all kind of crunkled up in the oh, jeans. I hate when they're crunkled. <laughs> and then you slide your hand in and you straighten oh, that pocket right nice. out. Yeah. That's my small wonder. You did that to me while we were I sitting did. on the couch. I had my pocket was out of my pocket. Uh-huh, it and was crunkled. It was crunkled. And then Rachel reached out and stuck it, stuck it back into my pocket, which could also be a small wonder for me. <laughs> um, yes, I remember now. It is a pleasant. I a pleasant love feeling. that, man. Like sometimes I'll do it like halfway through the day and mm. I'll be like, oh, gosh, I've been sitting on this all day. But then you have to confront like how long has my my pocket been all goofy like that? crunkled crunkled i'm so sorry (laughs) i don't know why i keep for brain fart right yeah what's your small one tuesdays uh my small i mean i do it like twice a year but awesome games done quick is happening right now and i've just been like watching speed you're stuck in a loop i'm stuck in a a six month loop uh if if you're new to our programming (laughs) it's a uh, annual charity marathon where people just like speed run games for like eight or nine days and it's been good it's been good this year had a uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze run I very much enjoyed. Somebody ran the Splatoon 2 DLC. Really liked that one. I uh, think they're starting the Mario block. Like right now, excited to just dip right into that. Will you let me know if when when and if they do the Sonic? Uh, they did today and you missed it. Oh. But it, you can all watch that shit on video on demand. Um, I've been really like having a retro sort of uh, week because I downloaded on my phone uh, old school RuneScape is what it's called, which is like a like a retro version of this old online game called RuneScape that they've like remade and remastered. And then they just like re-released the very first old version of it, which I played a little bit when I was like younger. And it's been very, very nostalgic for me. I've just been like playing this game in the background while watching like classic games getting speed run. It's been, it's been a real blast from the past. Do you want to know something I've realized about you? I'm a huge fucking nerd with nerd glasses and a pocket protector (laughs) and a permanent wedgie that bullies come down. Bullies come to our house and just, kick in the door and give me a wedgie and there's nothing I can do about it. I wasn't going to say that at all. Oh, okay. I was going to say you really like video games. I do. I really, really do. I really enjoy them. (laughs) I enjoy them quite a bit. I mean, it's been like, uh, it's just been my hobby my whole life. Like I, I, uh, it's hard to escape the fact that I know more about them than virtually any other topic on the planet. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and I wrote about them for a decade. Is this some really new information for you? <laughs> I mean, I was being a little, a little tongue in cheek there. I ache to talk about them sometimes. I realize like not writing about them for eight months or so. Like I've been kind of like itchy. Yeah, no, that makes sense. This is kind of your only place to do it now. Kind of. We did Besties um, revive that. We did like a three hour long episode. Mm -hmm. And that was that was a nice sort of I caught I was re-listening to it. and I was like, God, I talked so much. And it's just because I had a lot to say about (laughs) video games. But yes. Uh, Hey, what's your first thing? Okay, so my first thing. Yeah, I'm really excited. You've been talking a, a big game. I, just, about, I feel good about my yeah, things. Yeah, I'm excited. Meeting your partner's friends. Hey, all right. 
I love it. Yeah. I love it, especially meeting your friends. Yeah. It, this one makes me kind of sad, though, because you're not going to do it again with me. I don't have any other secret friends that you haven't met, I don't But think. I still reap the benefits. The reason I was thinking about it is that, you know, we go to West Virginia every Christmas, and I get to see some of your friends, and I like them all so much. They're very good. <laughs> Yours are as well. I get we, we don't go to St. Louis, I feel like, as often, and when we do, it's usually, mm-hmm. like, very fly-by-night, but... Uh, sometimes we'll do like big gatherings with your friends in St. Louis and I, I am so delighted by all of them. It's like, it's so affirming first. If you like your partner's friends, it's really like, it's reassuring and it's affirming because it's like, oh, this person that I like has good taste and mm. they've picked good people to be around them and I like them too. And, you know, that means maybe that we're extra compatible because we have similar, you know, qualities that we look for in people. I think there's, I mean, that's definitely true, right? Like, mm-hmm. Because I think about a lot of my friends, and there were a lot of my friends who made friends with like real shitheads that then I <laughs> yeah. did, I was never, I was not as, like our relationship was not the same after that. Um, and I've had a lot, I had some relationships in the past where my partner's friends I did not care for, and they yeah. did not care for me. Yeah. Uh, and it, it really sort of broke the core Spice Girls rule uh, where you, oh, you are not, oh. you are legally not allowed to be my lover at that point. Yeah, because you the cops wouldn't want come, them the to cop- get with your friends. For sure, yes. for sure not. Just wanted to close that loop. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I've talked about friends before on the show. Great show. Like Ross always cracks me I up. I feel like you made that joke last time I talked about I friends I do, and too. it's always Ross is the only one I always <laughs> speak about. And it's not because he's the first name I remember. It's because I think he's so fucking funny. Okay. Uh, so I, so I was reading this article from the Atlantic and they had this professor of interpersonal communication from Ohio university. And he talked about the different types of friendships you have. Okay. And he said they generally fall into three categories by the time you reach middle age, active, dormant, and commemorative. that last category Isn't just set my mind on fire because it's so good. So most uh, the active and dormant are pretty obvious. Right. Friendships, if you keep in touch regularly, if you call them for emotional support, if you know what's going on in their life, that's an active friendship. A dormant one is one you maybe haven't talked to in a while, but you still think of that person as a friend. I have lots of those. I feel like as I feel <laughs> I like most people these most, days have uh, yes, most of a those. A lot of my friends are dormant. Uh, a commemorative friend is not someone you expect to hear from or see maybe ever again, but they were important to you at an earlier time in your life and you think Holy of them fondly. shit. Isn't that the perfect way of describing it? This is like a lot of the people I did theater with who like moved away from Huntington. So like, I will almost certainly never see you again. Yeah. Um, not like my core group of theater friends who I do expect to see like, mm-hmm. you know, many times throughout the rest of my life. But like, you know people I maybe did one or two shows with and we became show friends and then like their family moved away and it's like they're well, just Well, and you gone. know what I think is might be different for you is I, f- I feel like you have a surprising number of old friendships for somebody at our age, you know? Like when I when we go back to Huntington, yeah. I, I am surprised by the number of people <clears throat> that you've been able to kind of keep close to you. And I realize a lot of it may be because you went to college in your hometown, so anytime yeah. anybody would come home, you would be available to see them. There's Whereas a, I feel yes. like a lot of my friendships from high school are now restricted to seeing like once a year and have been for a very long time now. I think that's like the, probably the biggest contributing factor. Yeah. I think it's also because like I go home pretty like, I mean, at least once a year uh, mm-hmm. and... Uh, a lot of my friends like didn't leave Huntington. Uh, a lot of my friends like didn't leave like the tri-state area, and yeah. a lo- especially like a lot of my friends' families just like had just didn't didn't bounce, and so they are all still there. So they're kind of like the anchor. Yeah, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of anchors in in Huntington, and so people just all sort of gather up. I get so excited to like uh see all my friends we did, we yeah. only saw a couple of them this year but like i get so excited to catch up with, i know it's friends. gotten to the point now where i will like ask griffin about some of his friends i'll be like you know is so-and-so gonna be there because like i really i like him i'm attached to him too which is hard to reconcile right because i'm really bad at keeping t- in <laughs> yeah. touch with them throughout the year but like the the term of like dormant friends i feel like it, it, it maybe sounds bad but there is also something kind of comfortable about knowing like yeah these people i can call up when we're all in town and we can all you know hang out at somebody's house and drink wine and catch up and it's like well that and it's still comfortable there's no like judgment like hey what the fuck man and that's specifically what 
you know, this article said was that, you know, maybe you haven't talked in a while, but you still think of that person as a friend and you'd be happy to hear from them if they were in your city, you'd definitely meet up. Yeah, for sure. Which I feel like is a really good example. Um, the other thing I like about meeting friends is that um, I get to learn things about you. Oh, boy. I don't, I don't have a big reveal. I here. thought you were going to say, I like, you started messaging my friends face. on Facebook, like, give me the scoop. <laughs> give me that dirt. Although Patrick Stanley is really good at unearthing some gems. He sure is. <laughs> you can't say that, though. He's in the fucking group, babe. Patrick, you keep your fucking mouth shut. I will, I will come for you. Uh, so I, I was reading, um, this article about the friendships you make during young adulthood. And when they talk about young ad- adulthood here, they're talking about literally like in your like 19, 20, yeah. 21 years old. Uh, but they talk about how that's, you know, a big time period of self-disclosure and support between friends. Uh, and they talk about specifically if, if you're fortunate enough to go to college, that can be kind of like a golden age of friendships because you have a lot more available time to Absolutely. spend with people. Um, I feel like it's also when like the core of your being more than yeah. like any other time in your life before that is starting to really firm up. And so the friends you have then, mm-hmm. it would make sense. Like it would be kind of tougher to outgrow them. Uh, so according to the Encyclopedia of Human Relationships, which is a thing, apparently, uh, young adults often spend between 10 and 25 hours a week with friends. uh, And that people between 20 and 24 years old spend the most time per day socializing on average of any group. Uh, Yes, that all tracks. So, So that's just all to say that like part of the reason I also like meeting a lot of your friends is that they've spent more time with you than almost anybody besides your brothers and so i get to like you know and a lot of times they like i don't know they like the same things about you that i like yeah and it's fun to be around people that are kind of in the same fan club as you yeah and i mean from also from like a more practical standpoint when i moved to austin obviously like i uh, I had a couple friends here, but it was, it was, you know, mostly your group of friends that I was moving into. And then it was like instantly yeah. like, oh, I've got a bunch of friends. Like that part kicks ass. Yeah. It's a good subject, babe. Yeah. Thank you. I get why you're excited about yeah. this. Um, my first one's not as like special by comparison. I'm almost embarrassed by it. Is it like Fritos or something? No, it's a, it's a, it's a nice mechanical keyboard <laughs> I have written down here. I love that I was talking about human relationships. And, the, and I'm talking like, about a nice mechanical keyboard. <laughs> I use my, I've been sort of reinvesting in my computer, sort of ergonomic sort of computer usage setup, my station, mm-hmm. my hub, my terminal. Uh, And it's because I came to this realization that like I'm on this thing 60 hours a week, maybe uh, including night times when I'm like on my computer watching video games. I was like, I'm I'm on this thing a lot and I'm I'm always typing on this thing like I want like a nice sort of setup. So I got a nice new curved monitor and a nice new wireless mouse. And then I was like, I've been using this same like gaming keyboard since 2014 Mm -hmm. and it's served me well. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, what if I invest in like a nice, you know, mechanical keyboard? And I did. And ooh, it is done all the difference. What makes something a mechanical keyboard? I'm so glad you asked because I'm about to teach you a lot of things (laughs) about more about keyboards than you probably wanted to know. not too much. A a mechanical (laughs) keyboard is essentially like an old, old school keyboard with, uh, you know, uh, elevated plastic keys that uh, you know activate actual switches underneath oh, the keys. Oh, it like, makes that satisfying clicking noise. Yes, uh, to varying degrees. Uh, I I have been doing most of my work like really since I've been doing podcasts on a laptop, which like that is not really a, a mechanical keyboard. Uh, on like the MacBook, it's just kind of like little clicky keys, and they're fine. But really, it hasn't been since I started using a mechanical keyboard again that I started to realize like how much more satisfying it feels and how much better it feels. Uh, And I just think that like finding the right keyboard for you is such a like memorable experience. It's like, you know, uh, Ollivander's (laughs) wand shop, like finding your... For for you, for well, I think I don't know if you can generalize and say most people are searching for the right keyboard. Well, it might just be because you haven't found the right one yet. Okay, and I want to help you get there. I want to take you on that journey. Um, So yeah, I got a new new keyboard. It's a Leopold uh, keyboard, eighty seven. Do you want to click it into your microphone? No, because I'm worried it'll stop the recording. But just take my word for it. Well, it's (laughs) it's also got a fairly sort of quiet switches uh, inside of it. so uh, I don't necessarily know that you would get it. It makes a sound. It's very tactile and it's nice. Can I, but can I go touch it? You made me want to touch it. 
Uh, I guess. Uh, what button won't press the tilde key? I don't think the tilde will uh will do anything bad. That was nice. Okay. See, right. <laughs> um. So there is a wide, wide world of keyboard specialization out there that I did not know about until I started shopping around for keyboards. And I thought it was like fascinating that these things we use every day have all of these fucking microscopic customization points that you can do to like make it the perfect keyboard for you, which may not be like as important a thing for a lot of people, but I think for like writers and for, especially for programmers, um, I actually got inspired to do this because I like still am, uh, you know, follow a bunch of like programmer people from Vox, uh, that, that I worked with there. Uh, and they post pictures of like their setups or their keyboard sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, damn, those look really good. Hey, is there a subscription service where I could get a couple keyboards every month and then I could find the right <laughs> keyboard for me and then return the ones I don't want? <laughs> um, yeah, that might be cost prohibitive because they're kind of, this, this one was actually fairly affordable, but they can get up there in price. There's a lot of, there's a whole like community of people who just build their shit from scratch. Also, oh my but you don't have to get that buck wild on it. So, uh, and you use like little Skittles for keys or like, what do you, you can how do you build a key uh well most of the time you buy keycaps so the thing on the very top like the thing that you press is the keycap uh the literal like the the key there is like the plastic part i could pry that off with a you know a little tool and then that's just the keycap and those can be like different thickness they can be different (laughs) textures these have kind of a chalky texture to them that i kind of enjoy uh the 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 gaming keyboard i was using started to get a little bit oily but that's just because i used it for five years and my gross human oils were just getting (laughs) all over it uh so that's the keycap and then underneath that is the switch and that's what actually like tells the uh you know sends the signal over and it's what you know you you activate the switch and that says okay you've pressed the q key and then it you know gets sent to the to the computer those switches they're is an infinite array of variation out there. Uh, I learned about the most like uh, common form of switches are from a brand called Cherry MX. Um, and then the Cherry MX brand has a bunch of different colors. And that's how they sort of like, um, that's how they identify the different tactile feel of each switch. So this is a Cherry MX Red, which is the most like lightweight one. It doesn't take a lot of pressure to activate. Um, and in fact, I think it takes the least amount of pressure to activate out of all of their switches. Uh, and it's fairly quiet. This keyboard also has a sound dampening pad in it so that it's not like super, super loud when you're typing, which is good because I am the type of person that does not necessarily enjoy that and then there's a bunch of different like colors moving upwards there's uh cherry mx brown switches which uh are still linear switches which means you just like press them uh down and then at some point they activate and don't make like a lot of noise but this one takes a little bit more pressure so like if you're the type of person who like your fingers are constantly pressing the wrong key just because they're like landing on them maybe you need a higher pressure key this is like picking like a piano, like when you went and picked like oh, your, for sure. yeah. your keyboard or whatever yeah, for I'm, your piano. I, I, I took that process also very seriously, yeah. but that was a much more expensive purchase than this was, obviously. Now I just kind of want to look at pictures of keyboards. Or I bet there's all sorts of YouTube videos. Honestly, look at pictures of keyboard switches because they're fascinating. So there's linear switches, which uh, most keyboard switches are like that. You press them down mm-hmm. and there's not much like tactile feedback. I think brown ones actually... Uh, Cherry MX Browns like you get a little bit of like a tap as you sort of uh, reach the bottom that lets you know you've hit it so there's all these escalations right there's Cherry MX Black which is kind of like a hybrid between red and brown uh, and that goes all the way up to Cherry MX's like most buck wild one which is Cherry MX Blue and this is like a click activated key which means that when you press it down you feel the click like you feel it sort of click into place and it makes a very loud like it is wow. compared to that it is much louder and there's a lot of people it it requires more pressure than than most key switches do but like there's a lot of people who dig that like there's a lot of people who who prefer sort of this loud tactile know? feel like how do you know so they actually sell uh cherry mix will sell uh these little pads and they have i think like uh, a dozen different keys on See, them and they're my, all different that's key my switches subscription service there that's i mean you I don't could... need a subscription service i think you just need the one <laughs> um 
so so like there's lots of and that's just the cherry mx brand there's a lot of different types of brands also uh and then there's different uh key profiles so like the cherry profile is fairly standardized and then i think it's oem is a different type of profile and that just literally means a taller key so like if you're the type of person who like prefers that or prefers more sort of uh distinction between the different rows the elevation of the keys oh on the gosh. different rows uh and then of course like key cap uh, aesthetics i've actually like i've been looking for some more colorful key cast because Rachel walked into this office and was like that it's an old ass looking key. it looks like it <laughs> fell into my office through a time hole from like yes. a 1991 like IBM yeah rig. like a ridge computer like home computer I kind of like it I kind of dig it but it's just because my last one was like a backlit Not, gaming laptop well, that I never it's really like your whole for. setup is so modern and then that looks like I know you know I, I want to get some, a thrift store and that's why I'm shopping around for some stylish keycaps like a nice color gradient going I across am kind of nervous now why well I'm worried you're gonna get some like I don't know, like flames on it or something. I'm not going to get flame decals on it, babe. <laughs> Although you can get buck wild. Like they, there are three dimensional keycaps. Like if you wanted, uh, I actually saw a really great one and the escape key, uh, they had just turned into this sort of, um, uh, it, it was like a seascape scene. They had used like blue, <laughs> blue resin and there was like a fish swimming in it and like a little beach, like a little sand underneath the water. And it was like a very, very detailed little diorama that lives in the escape key so you put that on i don't know i like that i like that you press the escape key because it's time to go go hit the beach there is there is this is like my thing of the week this has like been the thing i've been like really looking into because i think it's really fascinating and it's it is I think if you look at it based on how much I have used any object in this house, like a keyboard is it for sure. A keyboard is it by far. And so like I had never really appreciated the fact that, of course, there is a million different ways to tweak it in all these like really, really, really subtle ways to just make it the perfect sort of thing for you i'm really attracted to that idea sort of in general across like all disciplines like finding the right uh chef's knife that like really that feels good in your hand and you're going to use a lot like the thing you're going to use a lot finding the perfect the perfect one just for you like i think that's a really really um compelling sort of uh process and i've enjoyed sort of getting into it this week with keyboards it's kind of interesting to watch you kind of do that throughout your life Hmm. oh yeah sure because like i mean there's me first yeah yeah. you know like you You were the gateway that made me realize i need good things maybe all things in my life could be this satisfying (laughs) yeah sure Um, no, I mean, you're not wrong. Like I never, I, I, I am putting away my childish things. Mm-hmm. I feel like by which I mean my 2014 razor black widow gaming keyboard and your cargo which is, shorts, which is, fun. yeah. Oh God. My cargo shorts have been gone a long time. Um, yeah. Keyboards. I'm curious. I'm, I'm genuinely into keyboard modern culture now. Like I think it's a cool, like there's, I've seen so many wild keyboards and I, I covet them. But anyway, can I steal you away? It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Styles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what 
is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Do you want to hear some Jumbotrons? More than anything I've ever wanted in my life. This message is for May. It is from Kevin. Hello, May. These six plus years with you have been the greatest, and I'm happy to be able to announce we're finally engaged. I'm immensely proud of you. Salem, Charles, and even Susie said hello and that they like you. You got a Susie hello. Wow. This is my way of writing your name in the stars. I love you so much. Your best friend, Kevin. (laughs) Kevin, first of all, are you announcing to May that you are engaged to them? Because that's what it read like. And if so, that's the wildest and most presumptive sort of proposal (laughs) I've ever read. I I assumed it happened before this was read. They're announcing it to us. Okay, I get it now. Um, Or it was a called shot. It was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I never know when this ad is going to air. And this is putting pressure on myself to get it done. I hope it worked out. Uh, It definitely did. Uh, And I also love the idea of our podcast being sort of this eternal monument, this undying flame. I mean, it's not true. They'll always have this podcast. (laughs) Unless they're EMP. The solar flare wipes it out. Shoot it into space with a big laser. Maybe now we're talking. But then we hit the alien planet and they're the bad ones. And it's our podcast that made them come get us. This is fun. I'm enjoying this. Do you want to hear the next message? I guess so. It is for Kyle. It is from Scoobs. Hell yeah. Hey there, little boo slash Kyle. I reveal my trap card. It's a Jumbotron. I'm going to need to stop and explain what Yu-Gi-Oh is to you, aren't I? Yeah, I don't know what trap card is. Okay. It's a Yu-Gi-Oh thing. Okay. Now you're trapped with me for the rest of 2019. That's how Yu-Gi-Oh works. Okay, and it goes on. Okay. (laughs) Today you are my small wonder because you are very small and very wonderful. I can't wait for more fun trips, dumb bits, and rad hikes with you in 2019. Love you more than Yoshi in a skirt. A lot. Scoobs. Damn. Ain't... Ain't nothing wrong with that. I think we can all agree. There's a lot I need explained to me. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't I... What? uh, How do you trap? What's the point of trapping with uh, the cards in Yu-Gi-Oh? You want to start with that and not the Yoshi. I want to hear about that too, but I want to start at the beginning. I'm just going to load up Tumblr and let you sort of get on it for about a half hour. Okay. If you're looking for a new comedy podcast, why not try the Beef and Dairy Network? It won Best Comedy at the British Podcast Awards in 2017 and 2018. Also, I There were no horses in this country until the the mid to late 60s. Specialist bovine arse vet. Both of his eyes are squid's eyes. Yogurt buffet. She was married to a bacon farmer who saved her life. Farm-raised snow leopard. True. Download it today. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast from MaximumFun.org. Also, maybe start at episode one or, weirdly, episode 36, which for some reason requires no knowledge of the rest of the show. Hey, what's your number two? Who does number two work work for? Oh, gosh, Griffin, this was such a good episode. (laughs) Yeah, now it's a great episode. (laughs) This one's worth shooting into space at the alien planets. What's your second... (laughs) Your second thing? My second thing is having short hair. Okay, short hair don't care. I love it. I realized recently I got my hair cut again. And I have been wearing short hair more or less my entire life. 
Is that true? Well, so there was a period of time in college where I just didn't get a haircut. Yeah. And so that carried on uh, from, I would say, 2000 until about 2007. Okay. <laughs> so I had hair down past my shoulders. You did. Uh, and it looked kind of messy. And I thought, I'm, I can't be a business professional with hair like this. I do want to say, and we should say this up front. Okay. There's nothing wrong with long hair. There's no. lots of people with beautiful, long, lustrous hair. I, I my wonderful thing is having short hair myself. Yes. Uh, this I is like not it. a this is not a judgment of our long haired friends. Of course not. The majority of my friends have long hair. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, I I just realized that this is this is the length for me. Yeah. You know, and and throughout history, in when short hair started appearing on women, it was like it was a powerful statement. Absolutely. Um, and and so I kind of researched the history of the bob, which okay. is which is the haircut, which is where you kind of you have hair kind of above your shoulders, right? And it's kind, kind of, of a bouncy at the bottom, swingy, flirty do. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, so. This short hair used to be really like super controversial. I so don't much doubt so it. that in 1920, the Saturday Evening Post published an F. Scott Fitzgerald piece called Bernice, Bernice Bobs Her Hair. Uh oh. A short story about a sweet yet socially inept young woman who is tricked by her cousin into allowing a barber to lop off her hair. F. Scott Fitzgerald. Who was that again? I know the name. G- Great Gatsby. Oh. Mm hmm. Is that a good? I never read that book. Is it's it? very good. Oh, you okay. didn't read it in high school? This is another one of those books you missed out in high school. So the the story says that, you know, with, with her hair uh, short, she is castigated by everyone. Boys no longer like her. She's uninvited to a social gathering. And it's feared that her haircut will cause a scandal for her family. Uh, I mean, sucks, F. Scott, but I guess also sucks society. It's yeah, in general. it's more a uh, story about the time period than F. Scott Fitzgerald, I'm sure, Personal expressing preference. his. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I haven't read it. It might end with like, and me, me also feel this way. So kind of the first big foray into short hair was in 1915 when fashion forward uh, ballroom dancer Irene Castle cut her hair off as a matter of convenience. So she was a ballroom dancer in in uh, Broadway and in silent films. And oh. everybody saw her as this fashion icon. So when she cut all her hair off, everybody was like, me too. Uh, and then it just kind of became a huge trend. There was a uh, 1925 story in the Washington Post headlined Economic Effects of Bobbing, okay. which talks specifically about how Bob Hare did wonders for the beauty industry. In 1920, there were 5,000 hairdressing shops in the United States total. Whoa. And four years later, there were 21,000 shops established. Now, hold that's uh, hold on. That's that's wild to me. Well, that, people that, just grew out their hair as long as it would go, and that was it. Until they died? <laughs> <laughs> well, long hair was a thing. I mean, like in the Bible, they For talk sure. about the hair being... But you still got to cut that shit at some point, right? Yeah, but you don't have to pay somebody if you're just doing a little trim. If you're huh. cutting it all off, you probably want a professional. Interesting. I never thought about the mm-hmm. fact that like the the short hair sort of phenomenon, not phenomenon, it's of course like a thing <laughs> that people should do, uh, is is what sort of sparked this this industry. That is so interesting. I guess uh, so I I think you make a good point. I'm not trying to say that there is a superior way to wear your hair. Yes. I'm saying for me. Yes. Anytime I get my hair cut and have kind of a short fun do. Yeah. I just feel I feel a little empowered. I feel a little like, hey, look at me. I'm doing something something different and it makes me feel powerful. Yeah. I think it I think it makes you look powerful. And I, there's a big history of women kind of taking a stand with short hair and I I feel a kinship to them in that moment. I totally get it. I mm. also prefer short hair, both on myself and on on you. I I like I like your short <laughs> hair very much. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was a good one. And Thank interesting. You. I'm gonna be thinking about that hair, the, the hair salon thing. Yeah. How many are there now? Probably more than 21,000. Probably more. I wonder. Well, so and I think they're drawing a distinction too between hair salons and barber shops. I see. Okay. It's yes. not like men didn't have an option. No, God knows we probably had like 100,000 options <laughs> and we demanded it. So, and we cried <laughs> if we didn't get our 100,000 barber shops, daddy. <laughs> I want my 100,000 barber shops, daddy. They have 21,000, Daddy. I want 100,000, or I'm going to cry. (laughs) Say all men. What's your next thing? My second thing is going to the mall. Whoa. Going to the mall. When were you at the mall? 
1995. Okay. <laughs> this is more of a, rather than like, I'm not talking about going to the mall. I'm talking about going to the mall. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not talking about I'm excited today to go to the mall. The act of going to the mall is is something that I loved as a kid and honestly still think about going to a mall right now. You could get me in, into a mall. It's not my first thought. It's not the first place I'd want to be. But if you said, hey, I'm going to a mall. Do you want to come with me? I'd be like, yeah, I want to see what that mall looks like. This is interesting. We were talking about this a little bit, uh, me and, and some of our, our friends. We were talking about how like there's all these like memories associated with it because when you're younger, you know, and there aren't a lot of places you can go, the yes. mall is the place. And it's like you get some of that feeling still when you go now. For sure. I am mostly talking about this in the past tense where uh, going to the mall was the most exciting thing for me in Huntington. Yeah. Well, because uh, you guys had to go pretty far. Yeah, so it's funny. <laughs> the Huntington Mall is actually in Barbersville. It's it's a ways away uh, because Huntington, like, didn't want it. And then it turned out to be, like, a big successful thing. And it was... A good like half hour away. Like, yeah, no, not say. half hour, like fifteen minutes away. But maybe. like on the freeway, not like. Yes, you do have to drive quite a ways away yeah. from the city. <laughs> uh, but still, like that was the place to be. Like that was the most exciting place for me to go. I loved going to the mall so much, not because like of shopping. Like I really did not have like enough money to go shopping when I was yeah a youth up until basically like I had my first job. Like we didn't we didn't get like big allowances or anything like that. Um, it was just sort of going to the mall, just sort of being there that was so exciting in a way that I can't really quite put my finger on. Like there were, there were definitely things to do, right? There was a movie theater and an arcade at the mall and, you know, I could scrounge up some quarters to play some arcade games, some DDR and what have you there. Um, but a lot of the time it was just sort of like looking around at all of the different shops and, uh, just see, see what ever, was going on. Did you ever go with a, a uh, romantic interest? Oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. Did you yes. ever like hold hands and walk around the mall? Oh my God, yes. I never, I, I never. Oh, babe. I never got to do that. And I, I was, I always longed for it. Oh man. I always wanted to be one of those couples. Let's go to the mall. and uh, It never happened for me. So here in Austin, we have the domain, which is sort of our big, uh, outdoor shopping yeah, complex. Yeah, outdoor is different. It's different, isn't it? Mm. It's different from the indoor mall experience. You need that mall smell. <laughs> you need that mall smell. For me, it was like the fountain outside of the Sears store, the smell of that, the smell of the Babbage's, which was the, the, the game store that you was- Talk about Babbage's more than any human I know. <laughs> I mean, it was an it was a very important store for yeah. me. I would go in there and just sort of like see what games they had. I yeah. would play the demo like shit that they had set up, and then if I had like old games to trade in, that was the only way that I could afford to get like new games. And so like that was my main reason for going there. There was also a Babbage's and an EB Games in the same like mall, which I thought was very strange. Like mm-hmm. now I think they're part of the same. I think they're all GameStop now. Uh, Justin worked at the Toys R Us. I would go hit that up. That was very exciting did a couple pokemon tournaments there no big deal uh travis and justin both worked at the best buy when that opened up the best buy are you kidding that me that was part of the mall uh it was like in the same sort of mall zone oh, it was okay. like right next to it uh same for toys r us I, it was just such an exciting place to 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 be uh and it was like this place of of tremendous possibility uh, and I don't know, it was, it was just a, it was a really exciting place for me when I was younger. So I did some research on the history of mall, uh, which I'm, there's, there is actually a lot of history of yeah, mall. I bet. Uh, obviously like there are roots back in like, uh, ancient times, like bazaars, uh, ancient Rome has like lots of great examples of these big, uh, trading houses, uh, in, you know, recent centuries, you have things like shopping arcades, covered markets and things like that. But uh, things started to really take off uh, post World War II, early nineteenth century, or early twentieth century, uh, when these sort of like real estate developers started to open up uh, suburban shopping complexes where they had you know more room to stretch their legs and make bigger and you know gaudier things. Um, in the nineteen fifties, uh, there were big suburban shopping centers, which is what they called them. Uh, and also, like, what a lot of places across the world call malls. They just call them shopping centers. They yeah, don't use the that, word mall. No, that makes sense. Because if you think about it now, like, 
there are still those like shopping centers. Yes. You know, that like still exist that seem a little outdated now. Yes. And I bet that was, I mean, you can see that's kind of where it began. Yes. But that's not true in like, uh, you know, Europe or Australia. Like yeah. they, they just call them shopping centers there. They yeah. just don't use the word malls. I think. I may have just made that up. Anyway, there were shopping centers, uh, suburban shopping centers in Seattle, uh, Lakewood in California, uh, Framingham in Massachusetts, San Francisco, uh, Southfield, uh, Michigan, uh, and there were spots in in Canada and Australia and and all over the globe. Like these bigger sort of out of the city shopping areas started to to get developed. Then in 1956, uh, an Austrian born architect named Victor Green... How do you pronounce the name G R U E N? I, I grew. I mean, here in Texas, we say green. I it don't could know be wrong. It could be that. wrong. I'm probably wrong, but he uh, designed a uh, regionally sized, fully enclosed shopping complex in uh, Adena, Minnesota, close to the Twin Cities. That makes sense. And uh, it was called Southdale Center, and he basically sort of designed the. The shopping mall as we know it. There was a big, big parking lot. There were restaurants. Uh, there were sort of uh, big chain stores, like big chain department stores that were a part of it. Yeah, things that you expect to see in a in a shopping mall. Uh, this dude sort of sort of first sort of designed it. The first place actually called mall, like the first time like one of these these structures was re- referred to as a mall, uh, was in Paramus, New Jersey, Bergen Mall. Uh, which actually started as an open-air shopping center in the 50s, and then it was enclosed in 1973. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how you just say, you're indoors <laughs> you put now. put a dome over it. Uh, and then in 1980, a developer uh, named A. Alfred Taubman uh, added some more sort of staple features to the mall as we know it, namely like water features, like fountains, uh, tile floors instead of uh, carpeting or anything else like that, uh, and sort of the two-story structure, uh, that also was sort of built into a natural circuit. So you would have to yeah. walk through all of the, that was sort of his contribution to this. Also, he uh, sort of got rid of all natural lighting that could come into the building and replace it with electric lighting to make the shopper feel like the afternoon was lasting longer oh, to keep them in the gosh, stores like for Vegas. Longer. It's a lot like <laughs> Vegas. Um, so I thought this next part was completely buck wild. Mid 90s, malls are getting built left and right. Uh, in the U.S. in the mid-90s, 140 malls were being built every year. Oh, my gosh. That's quite a bit when you think about like how much actually goes into building a mall. Then in uh, 2001, this firm called uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers ran a study that found that underperforming malls were starting to like grow at an alarming rate, uh, creating these, these, these like dead sets of real estate they're called grayfield estates uh just these huge unused sort of worthless uh uh, places uh and they were like uh this is starting to be a problem and then sure enough it did become quite a problem in 2007 right before the the sub uh, subprime mortgage crisis um and and the recession no malls were built that year in 2007 no years no malls were built in america for the first time since like malls started being built uh, which was sort of a sign of the times to come um and sure enough like a lot of malls a lot of malls went went under and left behind these like huge real estate tracks these days though people are starting to like find other uses for some of them and are you going to tell the beautiful story of the austin most community college notable example of that like one of the most notable examples of that in the country is austin community college you have to go there sometime and actually walk around that campus it's incredible i know i went actually this is funny i went to that one as a mall I went yeah. to that one as yeah. a mall like a when couple times. There was times almost nothing. When left. There was nothing I remember you telling it was me that a, it was crazy. There were like like four stores. In the four whole stores. Thing. Well, I went there because they had a, a GameStop there, and they had like a used Xbox thing that I wanted. Yeah, and they were the only store that had it. So I went there, and it was like them. A Bath and Body Works, like a candy store and a shoe store, a candy store and like a chef supply store, like the, and yeah. then and then the rest, the empty. other 50, mm-hmm. 50 storefronts in there were just completely empty, chained up. Uh, it was really, really wild, and now it is a huge campus for the community college that Rachel works at. Um, yeah, well, and the the amazing thing about it, and it's really easy to find if you're interested to like find it on the internet. Cause there are lots of stories about it. 
uh, is they retained a lot of the original stuff. So if you go to the Austin Community College campus now, and this is what I'm talking about, it still looks like a mall. Yeah. They've just turned a lot of the storefronts into classroom space. It's brilliant. Like, I think uh, it makes a lot of and sense. And so the fountain is still there. The escalators <laughs> are still there. Like, people will still refer to it like, oh, where's the Veterans Resource Center? It's like, oh, well, you know where the Dillard's was? <laughs> And it's frustrating to me because I went to that mall yeah. half a dozen times, but I don't remember which department store was located where. Yeah, sure. So I'm like, where's the bookstore? They're like, oh, by the Sears. And I'm like, I don't remember where the Sears was. Appropriately, <laughs> though, the goth kids at the college can still hang out at the Hot Topic. They, yeah, went, they, they just left, left the that one topic. as is. God, Hot Topic. When that one showed up, I thought it was the most scandalous thing. I was in there all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, that's, I thought the history of malls was interesting and I have not been to a mall in a long time. We go to the domain, you know, often enough. Yeah, the, but the Barton Creek Mall is kind of Barton Creek mall the big is, flagship mall situation. Yeah, it's here. a bit of ways from us and I think it's fine. Um, but yeah, when I was a kid, like this was the place to go to and oh, yeah, get in the car to go court. to the mall. Yep. Um, the mall I used to go to was really, really, really close to my house. It was Crestwood Mall. Yeah. Uh, and... I I would get a big slice of pizza from First Federal Frank and Co. Whoa. It was like a New York style pizza place. And okay. I feel like it had a very long name that started with a lot of Fs. And then there was Exilorama, which was the arcade. Ooh. Ours and, was called Tilt. <laughs> and then Spencer's Gifts, of oh, course. God, and and we would wait for someone to kick us out because it seemed so, so adult. Naughty. We had a shop called Excalibur <laughs> and it dealt only this is not a joke. It's called Excalibur and it sh- it dealt in like pewter figurines. Pewter figures. So it'd be like a a wizard holding an orb. We <laughs> we had so a Wix good. and things that was just like a candle store. Yeah, that's pretty good. And like a nature company that just had nature themed things. Mm. Mall stores were really weird. Mall stores were quite strange. <laughs> we also had a big, big borders that actually I had a, a lot of friends that worked there and I mm-hmm. could sort of get some free drinks there if I wanted to. So I'd swing in the borders, get a free drink, walk around the mall, see what KB Toys was selling for 50 cents because they were going under. Like, uh, <laughs> it was, a, I missed the mall. I think I missed the mall. Yeah. Oh, damn. He's spend hours there that's what was crazy the whole my whole Saturday i remember was... thinking about that as i got older is that i would get dropped off at the mall and i would be there for like three hours and then as i got older i was like how did i spend this much time at the mall damn it's crazy anyway thank you so much for listening to uh wonderful um yeah i hope you enjoyed this one it was enjoyable for me to talk about the mall and uh, I want to thank Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Can we hear? I, st- I still get that one that pops up like in my like Spotify recommends. Uh-huh. Play- I still get it popped up and I'm like, mm, this song is the jam. But I think I'd like to read submissions. Yes, that's what I was going to ask about. No, I didn't forget. Uh, Jalissa says, one thing that fascinates me and sends me into a YouTube rabbit hole is restoration, art restoration videos. Something about the careful and meticulous work that goes into making sure they maintain as much of the original piece is awe-inspiring, and it's always so satisfying to see the artwork come back to life at the very end. I recommend... Baumgartner uh, restoration. He's got ASMR versions as well as narrated versions where he explains the entire process. I, I did f- not know that was a thing. I am definitely going to check it out. I watched one of these videos that uh-huh. like showed up in my YouTube feed because it is so exactly my fucking aesthetic. Like watching this <laughs> dude, uh, there was this painting that was had this like gross dark varnish all over it that had like ruined it and it was plastered to this huge chunk of wood and that's how it had been displayed for, you know, centuries uh mm-hmm. and he like got the varnish off and he put in like putty in all of the little cracks and then matched the paint oh, color and like the brush strokes tonight. and then he like found a way to shave off all of the wood to like get the actual painting back despite the fact that it was glued to this piece of wood for hundreds of years oh my god it's good it's very very good uh here's one from here's one from eli who says my girlfriend loves calling into radio contests and one time she actually won we spent our fourth anniversary at a green day concert in the pouring rain which is a date neither of us would have ever planned but turned into a wonderful memory especially since the tickets were free have you ever done i mean this is kind of cheating because your dad worked for a radio station and it's for that reason i never did it Oh, because you didn't want people to be like, oh, McElroy. No, we couldn't win. We were prohibited from but participating. There were more in those than calls. one radio station, right? Yeah, but like they were all part of like the Clear Channel Network oh, at okay. one point. So uh, it sort of it was it was prohibitive. Also, because like I don't know, I was never the type of person to do sweepstakes or anything like that because I just figured that you know 
my yeah. my my vote wouldn't count. <laughs> uh, and here's one more from Athena who says, "I love when I'm vacuuming the house and I come across a little patch of crumbs. The satisfying sound of sucking up the crunchy mess makes cleaning even better." Nothing is better than finding a big this, nasty mess and just getting it up there. This is this is like our whole life now. Mm-hmm. Our our son particularly Secret loves crumb. things that crumble, and so I I feel like we specifically bought a dustbuster for this purpose. Yeah, I was getting him out of a car seat today, uh-huh. and um, I like picked him up, and as I did, I caught like an angle of underneath the car seat. There's a little bit of banana under there. Oh no! <laughs> did you get it? Uh, as best I could, it was <laughs> disgusting. It was quite, it was mummified at that point. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that though. Uh, seriously, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. It's a great place to work, great benefits. Um, and we just like it a lot. I know, um, I know I talk about it all the time, but this week, Stop Podcasting Yourself is especially good. It's a real barn burner. <laughs> yeah, that one's good. Uh, Switchblade Sisters, you got uh, Beef and Dairy Network is very, very funny if you've never listened to that one. Jordan um, Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go. Can't, can't beat the classics. Uh, oh, and, um, and of course, our, our dear friends at the Flop House. Yes. Dear, dear beloved family friends. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Let's go ahead and, I mean, I know it's late and we have a child sleeping in our house, Uh huh. but maybe we could just drop him off at the neighbors, cut down to the mall, see what's going on at Gadzooks. Is the mall still open this time of night? We can sneak in. We can have a mall episode. Oh, oh shit. OC. Well, but uh, other things did it too. Other shows did it too, but we can do a mall episode. Of wonderful. What would that look like? I think it would go a little something <laughs> like this. Hey, hand, hey, hand me. Hey, is that a corn dog from Auntie Anne's? A pretzel dog? Do you really say Auntie Anne's? I think I do. Oh, God. I'm insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Genre film fans, hear me. I know you're out there. Do not be ashamed of your love for gore, action, sci-fi, or fantasy. It's time to come out of the shadows. Because on Switchblade Sisters, we celebrate our love for genre films. I'm film critic April Wolf. Each week I have a conversation with a different female filmmaker about their fave genre film, and we cover film craft, getting projects off the ground, working with actors, and our general love for genre movies. I've had so many great guests, like Heather Graham. In the past, it's like so many films are made by men that the female point of view is not always respected, which is why all these stories haven't come out till now. Jennifer's body director, Karin Kusama. I think there's a lot more fantasy and a lot more expectation projected onto a woman director. Comedian and actor, Kate Berlant. I mean, it sounds so cheesy to talk about it in yourself, like, you just keep going, You're, you know, I'm just a vessel, like, I, I just do it, you know, I don't think, but, like, that is what it is. And many others. So check out Switchblade Sisters every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.